at 31 to keep the drive alive. Jackson, incomplete. Northern Illinois is going to hold on here and win another MAC title. The last time NIU faced Buffalo was to claim the 2018 MAC championship in Detroit. One season later, and many changes later, the Huskies look to start their campaign for their next title with a win over the Bulls at home on November 4th. It'll start a shortened schedule that will be nothing short of dramatic. Hi everyone, this is James Krause, and you're listening to the Red Black Football Podcast. I'm joined, as I was last season, by Mike Knapp, and Mike, we're back for, for season two, and a lot has changed, and we're not just talking about uh, the NIU program, we're talking about basically everything around the world has changed. Yeah, it, it's just been a crazy year since uh, we last spoke about NIU football, without a doubt, and COVID and the effect it's had on the world, and, uh, you know, slowly sports started to come back, and um, we thought we were going to be playing NIU football in the spring, but uh, we're going to have uh, six, like you said, six weeks of all action all the time, and uh, I it certainly will not be boring. Um, it'll it'll be a really uh, crazy six weeks between now and middle of December. We can obviously talk about all the changes that have gone through uh, for everyone in the past few months. I mean, looking at this <laughs> the show we're doing, we're doing it through Zoom currently and not in uh, the offices like we were last year. Uh, obviously, the shortened schedule, like you mentioned, testing every week. Uh, the different landscape in general of college football, but let's narrow it down for this podcast to NIU and and what do you think COVID-19 has created for NIU for a football program like NIU of their size in terms of, of COVID-19? What problems do you think can arise or, or will arise? Well, you're always talking about, uh, you know, the, the players are not in a bubble. So I'm sure a lot of care is being taken uh, by the administration of the football team, the coaching staff, and everybody involved. But but you still have people that um, are out and about and um, still you know going on with what they need to do in terms of their studies and all that other kinds of stuff. So um, you know I think they've mitigated the risk as as much as possible, especially with um, the testing program that really didn't exist over the summer, which was why they were uh, going to play in the spring. But once we saw the, the testing protocols that worked for uh, other sports and, and other leagues and saw that they could apply that to the Mid-American Conference, all the teams in the MAC for that matter, um, then you know we decided uh, it was comfortable enough um, to play football. But yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge is, is just going to be, you know, mitigating uh, that risk as much as possible. And of course, um, it's a little different and a little difficult when you talk about travel. Um, you know, they'll be going on the road to other schools and other schools will be coming here, which means, uh, you know, it's not a, a perfect uh, situation. But yeah, I, I think some of it is doing your best to mitigating the risk. And some of it, I think, is also luck. I mean, you see some of the uh, Wisconsin and Nebraska are not going to play because of, of COVID. And, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence for Clemson, he's uh, a question mark for next week's game against Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, I think luck really plays into 
this as well. And, and I think the team that ends up, uh, you know, hoisting the championship trophy at the, at the end of this is the one that just uh, navigated their way through this uh, the best. Uh, Northern Illinois might have a, a bit of a benefit. Maybe I'm, I'm missing the mark here on this, but I think they have sort of a benefit because uh, they are very limited. The students are. Uh, speaking yeah. as, as one myself, there's not a lot to do right now in DeKalb uh, because of protocols that the state has put in. Unless you want to go and freeze your butt off, you can't really go to a bar or a restaurant or anything like that where you might be more uh, susceptible to getting the virus. And you could point to other programs across the, the country and say they weren't as restrictive and they ended up having to pay the price for it. NIU has the benefit of definitely taking this virus very seriously, as does as do I think uh, the entire Mid American Conference. Uh, the question is just going to be, for me at least, you're testing four times a week, and I, I talked to to Sean Fraser over the off season, and when originally when the season got canceled the first time. He said, we can test as much as we want, but at the end of the day, it's not going to stop people from getting it. And we can, right. and, and it's the same thing. We're going to test a lot, but eventually, like, there is a good chance that, you know, we send a team, like you mentioned, to the Mid-American Conference that doesn't navigate this well, that has to play only four or five games. Right. Well, and you, you look at it, and I've been to Indiana several times over the last, uh, few months and uh you know outside the city of indianapolis their restrictions have been i don't know where they stand now but they've been pretty much lifted for quite some time uh compared to what we have here and uh, i don't know uh, i'm assuming uh, you know things might be that way in uh, in ohio as well so yeah and i i think another thing comes down to um the accountability of the players to each other you know, I mean, when you have a six-game season, everybody's bowl eligible. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it would be great to win the MAC. But, you know, if you can go four and two, you're probably going to go to a bowl game. So, you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot to play for in six weeks. And you just got to, as teammates, hold yourselves accountable. And, of course, there are those question marks when you go other places. But, you know, you got to take care of yourselves first. And I think as long as, and, and there are enough seniors on this team that I think will uh, hold everybody, you know, accountable. You look at, you look at like the Cubs and, you know, M well, MLB as a whole, but like the Cubs locally, uh, you know, didn't have a, a COVID case the entire season. And I think that had to do with, you know, you have, you have two cancer survivors on the team and John Lester and, and Anthony Rizzo and, you have a couple of other people that are that uh, might be a little bit compromised. And so I think that there was a level of accountability on that squad. And I think that's what has to happen here as well. We, we've already seen kind of some of the effects. Uh, Jordan Nettles, uh, who was slated to replace Trey Harbison, he opted out of the season, though it wasn't specified specifically if that was COVID related, I should uh, add on top of that, but he is opted out. He will not play this season. I want to move on and, and just talk about football and what's to come, but I want to ask one last question. There's going to be no fans in attendance at uh, any Mid-American Conference games this year and thus no NIU games this year, uh, with the exception of family members of the players and coaches. And I know a lot of people can joke those midweek 
match games, you, you may not be able to tell the difference sometimes if there's fans there or not. But right. as people who are going to be there, I, I was curious to hear what your thoughts were going to be about what it's going to be like to watch a football game in person with no one else around. It's going to be really weird. I'll tell you what. I mean, I've been um, to uh, some IndyCar races this year that had really limited, um, you know, crowd sizes. And so it was, it was definitely a different type of vibe, but yeah, to be, uh, to be at a game where there aren't any fans is just going to be, you know, it's going to be weirder, weirder, uh, been watching it on television and you know it is kind of crazy that that uh, you know to watch some of these games and like you said family and friends are the only ones that are in attendance and um, the, you know I, I guess one uh, thing for fans watching on TV is one thing I've noticed is you do pick up a little bit more of what goes on on the field uh, thanks to to this so you know, if you want to pull back the curtain a little bit and hear a few things about what goes on on the sidelines or on the field during a, a college or professional football game, we're definitely finding that out. Yeah, that's uh, something I didn't I didn't think about either. Was even from the press box, we we may have more access to the field uh, from a, a a visual and audio standpoint just by not having as much outside noise as as maybe we're accustomed to. Uh, personally, I think it'll be my first sporting event that I've covered since the since the start of the pandemic back in like March. Right. I've still got the the Mid American Conference Wrestling Championship uh, <laughs> media badge in my car, and that's the last thing I've done. So so it's it'll be good to uh, uh, change things up, and and hopefully, uh, football means a move in the right direction and not a move backwards in terms well, of COVID nineteen. Yeah, you know, for me, you go back to March and uh, Jared Huff, the sports editor, and I were in Cleveland ready for the MAC basketball championship. That's and, true. And that That's was uh, the day, that was supposed to start the day after uh, on Thursday. And Wednesday, I remember getting to my hotel and watching and following on Twitter and watching the coverage and uh, Rudy Gobert testing positive, you know, canceled that the OKC Utah game and then all the dominoes just started following from there. And the next afternoon we were on our fly. I was on my way back from Cleveland because there weren't any games to cover. <laughs> so hopefully uh, we've gotten as much COVID talk as we can out of the way. And hopefully they can stay healthy the rest of the year without COVID-19. This would have been a wild off season for the Huskies. Uh, they had quite a few departures right at the end of last season, Trey Harbison leaving and going to Charlotte. Uh, two defensive linemen, uh, Jake Heflin and Matt Lorback, both go to Iowa. C.J. Perez uh, goes to Temple and rejoins Rod Carey. Marcus Childers uh, gone from the program. From the departures we saw this offseason, what do you think is going to be the biggest gap that NIU uh, is going to need to fill? I'd say on the defensive line. Um, you know, they, they showed last year on uh, a couple games where they really had to dig deep in terms of running backs and stuff like that, that they do have guys who are capable of running the ball. But, uh, you know, you take a guy like uh, like Jack Heflin, he was just a monster, you know, clogging up holes and, and just, you know, he's playing at an all-American level. And so, you know, best of luck to him, uh, you know, in the Big Ten. But, man, yeah, I mean, just uh, – 
the, that those two guys up on the on the defensive line, I think, are going to be the toughest to uh, replace. I mean, you know, on the flip side, you've got uh, two linebackers in, in Cal Pugh and Lance DeVoe who missed uh, pretty much all of last season, so they're back. So I think the the strength of the defense will be in the linebacking core. And uh, but yeah, the the defensive line they they've got some big uh, big holes to fill. That offense is going to have uh, a lot of problems, I think, too. Maybe not problems per se, but they're going to have to to change things up a little bit. Marcus Childers obviously played a part, even as a backup last year. Trey Harbison, a thousand yard rusher last year. Jordan Nettles saw a lot of touches. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where that offense goes from there. There will be no shortage, of course, of uh, players on the Huskies. Fifty-seven total new members to the roster this offseason. It is nearly a completely fresh start for this program. It very much now feels like, okay, this is a Thomas Hammock program as there are very few guys left from uh, Rod, Car- Rod Carey's time as a coach. Now with all of these freshmen uh, lining the, the depth chart, what challenges do you think uh, uh, having such a young team will face, especially in this type of season? Well, the good thing is that they've been together uh, for however long practicing. Um, So, you know, they they got uh, whoever was here for the spring, they got a little bit done in the spring, um, you know, and they've had uh, the regular camp leading up to the start of the season. So hopefully those new faces, it's given them a chance to get involved. But uh, the tough thing about freshmen is, uh, you know, college football, and and you can ask – you know, anybody that's made that jump from high school to any college sport, college football is a lot faster. The guys are bigger. They hit harder. Um, you know, so freshmen, it's really tough for them to, you know, get used to the speed of the game and what's involved in college football. And, uh, you know, we're going to be throwing a bunch of freshmen out there for a six-game season and saying, learn on the fly, let's go. And, uh, you know, it's not like they can back somebody up this year or they could sit and watch for a couple games. I mean, it's, you got to contribute now if we plan on winning any ball games. And I think that'll be the biggest thing for the freshmen. In terms of how many are going to see playing time, uh, there'll be two true freshmen on the defensive line and two true freshmen in the secondary, as well as uh, a transfer in a, a redshirt sophomore transfer from South Dakota state. Uh, Jordan Grady, who is a DeKalb grad, he returns to DeKalb uh, and will join Dylan Thomas and the rest of the secondary. I think this is not just a challenge for the younger players, but because there are so few upperclassmen, uh, a lot of pressure is going to be on those guys to help lead and and help this coaching staff uh, uh, get these guys more acclimated to the game. Uh, And we talk about that a little bit in our interview this week. Kyle Pugh, you mentioned he's returning from injury. We'll talk to him about that and uh, some more of what's to come for him and the Huskies this season. And I don't think he got it, Mike. Doesn't look like it. The guy leading the charge out there, Kyle Pugh. Joining me now on the Red Black Football Podcast, our first interview via Zoom, uh, it is Kyle Pugh, the senior redshirt senior linebacker. 
coming back after uh, uh, another season, unfortunately cut short with injuries last year. I'll ask you the same question I asked uh, Lance DeVoe. My question, I guess, in the way it was for Lance is, when you're not on the field practicing every day mm-hmm. uh, and you're not able to be as active, how are you able to continue developing? Uh, I think the first thing, um, as far as the, the first step you have to take is realizing that football is going to come back eventually, you know, and it's, it's not going to wait for you. Uh, no one cares that you're coming back from, you know, an injury or anything like that. When it's time to go, it's going to be time to go. So um, you have to do what you can, um, you know, outside of, actual work on the field so uh, film study learning the playbook you know uh, asking the questions and just being around football uh, is probably the best thing as far as still developing as a player trying to increase your IQ I think has uh, been my biggest thing um, helping me to recover from each injury so uh, during this off season, I can imagine it's been tough for for everyone involved in the program but from a football player's perspective uh, how difficult with COVID-19 has this offseason been, uh, particularly just having the unknown of if you're going to have a season? It's been very difficult. Um, I think one thing that's always gotten me through uh, the offseason, um, you know, preseason and all of that, is just knowing that there's a, I'm working towards something. You know, I want to be the, in the best shape that I can for the fourth quarter. I want to be as strong as I can be. Uh, you know, I want my body feeling good for the game. You know, and so when that is potentially taken away, but you're still required to do all the same work, it's definitely a challenge every day, um, you know, to work the same way and have the same routine. Uh, you know, so that I think that was the biggest part. You talked about just now at the, the press conference how Coach Hammock has challenged you to be more of a vocal leader not just when times are, are tough for the team, but in general all the time. Was that something that you think prior to this year or even last year uh, uh, you struggled with, kind of being that voice? I, I won't say that I struggle with it because, uh, you know, I've always had the mentality that, you know, I, obviously I'm a leader. I see myself as a leader, but uh, I didn't push myself to um, say much unless I felt like it needed to be said. Um, you know, and I think the one thing that Coach Hammock has encouraged me to do or at least realize is that if it's to the point where I see that there's a problem already, I could have said something earlier. If it's already – it might be already too late if the problem has already occurred. And, you know, so being a more vocal leader all the time um, can can help avoid some, you know, uh, adversity or, you know, start nipping things in the bud before uh, they get to be an actual problem. I want to transition now to uh, the team you guys have this year and how it relates to this opening game against Buffalo on November 4th. Uh, you guys have two freshmen on the, the defensive line, two freshmen in the secondary. Uh, you guys in the middle of are, are of course, the, the core group with a lot of talent coming back and a lot of experience coming back. Uh, do you think as a linebacker group, your priority for this game against Buffalo is going to be more to help with the pass rush uh, and helping the guys up front? Or, or do you think you guys are going to have to be hanging back and, and helping the secondary when you can? For the opponent, um, they're, uh, they have two really good running backs. Um, I think that's the, uh, the heart and soul of their offense. Um, and so I think our priority is obviously going to be to stop the run. Uh, I'm confident uh, they're 
in our uh, secondary. They're young, obviously, but um, I've been playing with them now for quite a while, and um, they, they can make plays. You know, they have the ability to, um, you know, answer all the questions about their youth and everything like that. They can ball, and uh, I'm confident in that. So uh, I know for me, I'm going to line up and play my game, uh, do my responsibility, and I, I know that they'll do theirs. It's weird to ask a defensive player about uh, his team's offense, but coach kind of talked about it in the press conference. You can probably attest to uh, Aaron Collins and, and how good he's been. Talk about some of those battles that he's talked about uh, between you and Aaron. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, our, our battle stems from, uh, you know, both of us just having a lot to prove uh, him, you know, with his own backstory and then me coming back from yet another injury. Uh, you know, we're kind of both older guys that have played some ball, but, you know, really still have a lot of things that we want to prove, a lot of things to check off the list. So, uh, you know, when, when we have those head-to-head -head, uh, collisions, those those competitions, you know, we're both going at it. You know, uh, some some days he wins, some days I win. I like to say I win a couple more times. But, uh, you know, for, 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 the, for the most part, it's always good competition. Uh, last question, and, and we talked about the press conference also, and Dan Jackson told me about it uh, when I, I covered the juice committee. You and the juice box, do you yeah. have a designated brand? Like after this, <laughs> like do you have a go-to <laughs> sort of, 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 of fruit juice that you go to? Well, what kind of juice boxes are you bringing uh, that you would recommend to people? Um. Right now, I don't have a particular brand. I'm really, uh, really big on the just the the old school juice box, though. You know, uh, not a not a bottle or anything. I want to uh, take the straw and punch it through the box, and you know, old school make me feel like a kid again. So uh, that that's where I'm at right now. I haven't picked a brand for my favorite. Uh, still got a couple ones I want to try out, um, but for right now, there definitely be uh, some juice boxes on the sideline with me. And all right, Kyle Pugh, thanks again for joining us and uh, best of luck to you this season uh, and, uh, and with this opening game on November 4th. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. That was Kyle Pugh talking about the season that's going to be ahead for NIU and the Huskies. And uh, we talked to him about sort of that youth movement that's going on now uh, for NIU and, and their roster two freshmen on the line, two freshmen in the secondary. Everything we've heard from people we've asked about that uh, is that a lot of these freshmen have talent. It's just a question of if they're going to get acclimated quickly enough. And there's going to be a lot of added pressure because, to add fuel to the fire, Buffalo uh, hasn't named their starting quarterback yet. In terms of this first game, it's going to be a tough one as, as Buffalo is one of the favorites in the East. Beyond winning and losing, what do you think is going to be a successful first outing for this defense, especially for the first years? Get everybody through the game healthy. I mean, they were going in last year already with guys out. You know, DeVoe was, was gone before the season even started. Um, you know, Pew followed him two weeks later. You know, those injuries just started and they didn't quit. And so I think the big thing is, two big things, I guess, would be um, get the freshmen acclimated to college football and get through the game healthy. And also, um, you know, getting to, to the game, uh, you know, of course we're recording this on Friday night before the game, getting to the game without any COVID issues, you know, anyways. So, um, but if you want to talk about what a success would be, I think um, just getting, you know, everybody back into the swing of 
playing football. I mean, you look at uh, nobody on this roster has played a game in a year or close to a year, you know, for a guy like Lance DeVoe, it's been almost two years. So, uh, you know, some of these guys, it's just going to be, um, you know, get playing football, getting real contact. I mean, I know they have contact in, in practice and everything, but, but, you know, hitting other guys from other teams and, uh, you know, playing uh, whatever the weather conditions are going to be uh, the next, you know, few Wednesday nights that they're playing. I mean, you know, that's always going to be a factor uh, the entire season. So, uh, but yeah, for the defense, I think it's just get through healthy and um, get everybody, uh, you know, acclimated to the game without uh, too much damage on the scoreboard. Yeah, the injuries were, were something that maybe a lot of people just because of how crazy this offseason has been, they, they might have uh, overlooked because, yeah, this team was banged up last year and they were probably going to be a pretty strong team had they had all the pieces that they were missing on defense. And I know everyone's uh, certainly afraid of COVID, but it's also very much a, a big deal that these guys are playing high physical games and they're also going to be doing it at 100% speed for the first time in quite a while. I think that a, a big thing that this defense is going to have to do in this game is keep the ball in front of them. Uh, they're facing uh, two pretty able quarterbacks, uh, Kyle Van Treese and Matt Myers, both had over 100 attempts last year, both had uh, several touchdowns, both were, were pretty solid in that secondary. If they cannot give up the big plays, then they're going to be able to keep themselves in it. Well, and you look at a little bit, this is sort of like a bowl game in, in the sense that uh, you had a lot of time to prepare. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's the one good thing is, is you've had, uh, they've known what the schedule has been for a few weeks. And so they've been preparing for, you know, this specific game for a while. And I think that's what's going to be needed. I mean, like you said, Buffalo, uh, you know, the league announced today that, that, you know, Buffalo or yesterday that they were, uh, uh, you know, the odds on favorites to uh, win the MAC championship. And, and of course, uh, you know, in, in the coaches poll and everything, NIU was picked to finish last in the West division. So, um, you know, and you can't really, you got to take that stuff with a grain of salt, but uh, Buffalo is a more experienced team and they're returning more players from a team that was pretty good last year. So they definitely have, the Huskies definitely have their work cut out for them. Pew also mentioned two really good running backs that they have, and it's going to be a, a responsibility for those young D linemen to fill up the holes uh, to stop Jared P Patterson, Jared Patterson and Kevin Marks, both 1,000-yard rushers last year. On the offensive side of the ball, Pew also talked about uh, Aaron Collins. He has had, I guess, a few battles with him in practice and, and hammock talked about those at this week's press conference or this past Friday's press conference uh, about these two guys really working hard because they have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, Collins coming from community college uh, in Hutchinson in Kansas. Uh, do you see this being a pass heavier team against Buffalo or do you think Hammock is going to still try and ground the ball out? Thomas Hammock, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was a workhorse running back in, in uh, college and uh, a very good one. Uh, that's always been his uh, MO, uh, you know, going to Wisconsin, working under Barry Alvarez, going to the Ravens, working under John Harbaugh. I mean, you know, that's what Thomas Hammett does. 
in both, uh, you know, himself as a player and his philosophy as a coach is running the football. And so, um, you know, I, I could see them abandoning that if, it, if it's not, if it's not happening because they have so many new faces back there, but I really think the offense, uh, you know, and I know he struggled last year with injuries, but Bowers has to be more consistent. You know, he, I don't know um, what happened last year, but he certainly uh, doesn't, didn't look at all like the quarterback I thought would be coming from a, a Pac-12 program where he had considerable amount of success. I thought he was really uh, inconsistent last year. And, and that's, just uh, he doesn't have an experienced backup. I mean, Marcus Childers uh, saved the day on a couple of occasions last year. I look at especially uh, the Toledo game is the one that sticks out in in, uh, in my mind the most. And so he really does not have uh, an experienced backup that if, uh, you know, he's not playing well, that Coach Hammock can turn to another person to see if they can light a spark under the offense. So, you know, we've got to see – We've got to see University of California Pac-12 quarterback Ross Bowers on the field this year. It's Bowers' first time, I think, having the same offensive coordinator from the prior year. Maybe since uh, he started college, maybe when he was at California still uh, in his freshman year, uh, that he's had that. And, and from what it sounds like, it's done a lot for his confidence. What right. it's going to come up to is the play calling. Uh, of Thomas Hammock to decide what this team is going to be doing on offense. And he's talked about wanting to establish the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And so I think it's going to come down to where can the offensive line find consistency? I think last year with Trey Harbison, they were able to get pretty good run blocking going, but, but sometimes they kind of left Ross and uh, Childers out to dry when it came to uh, passing. So it's going to be a determining factor, and it'll be what makes this first game so interesting is that uh, it, that could be flip-flopped, and maybe the passing, the pass blocking is going to be better for them this year. Maybe it'll be the run blocking, but whatever it is, I think it's going to factor in what we see moving forward. Or maybe, uh, you know, and I'll go real old school on you here, uh, but maybe they, they come out with a little bit of a hybrid, almost like a West Coast type of, type of offense where – um, they get the, the backs involved in the passing game and they get uh, just the wide receivers. I mean, of course they have to, in every game, you have to establish a vertical passing game. But, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, throwing some wide receiver screens, getting some guys out into space and letting them make plays. And uh, the, the best thing and probably the biggest piece coming back next year is, is uh, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the tight end room and, they got a couple of good ones that, you know, really came into their own last year. And so, um, you know, you, you can expect to see them get very, very involved Wednesday night. That's Daniel Crawford, of course. And by the way, Crawford, Bowers, and Pugh, all in their sixth season uh, of mm -hmm. college football. And that's something you, you really get to see one of maybe on a team. And thankfully for the Huskies, they're going to be able to have uh, three players finish out the career, hopefully on the right foot. Last thing we want to talk about uh, is the last time these two teams meet, which was not in 2019. It was at the end of 2018. NIU came back down 29-10, and in the final quarter, Marcus Childers went crazy. The offense went crazy. The defense did what they had to do, and they came away with a Mid-American Conference title. 
uh, in Detroit and really shocked a lot of people. I think Buffalo was a 10-win team that year heading into that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pew was one of the people who talked at this week's press conference about uh, he remembers that game. He played in that game. The question is going to be, do you think it's going to be much on the minds of Buffalo? Is it going to be much on the minds of the people at NIU who are still there? I know uh, Jared uh, Peterson, who I mentioned, he was on that team. He played in that game. Do you think that's going to drive both these teams a little more, knowing how their last meeting went? I think what will drive NIU more is that um, they've never lost to Buffalo. Um, you go you go back to, uh, I think the, the game notes said, um, or they have lost to Buffalo, but the last time was like 1968. So, but since both teams have been in the Mid-American Conference, NIU's 12-0 against them. So um, I'm sure that that'll be uh, for both sides. I mean, NIU will want to keep that winning streak going. Buffalo's going to want to break it. And, and yeah, I'm sure that uh, the people that played, you know, you and I were both there two years ago. That was an incredible football game. Um, probably one of the more entertaining games uh, that I've seen in a very long time. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think the people who played in that game have great memories. And, and uh, I wouldn't mind it ending up the same way as it did two years ago. That's for sure against East Division teams. NIU is 29-4 and four since 2008. This will be the only East Division team on their schedule unless they end up getting to Detroit again. We will close this out with the three and out, and then we will send you off into your day. First, every Mid-American Conference team will kick off the season on the same night with five other conference games on November the 4th. The defending conference champions, the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks, will host the Ball State Cardinals on CBS Sports. All the defending West Division champions, the Central Michigan Chippewas, will get prime billing as they play the Ohio Bobcats. That's on ESPN. That game kicks off at 6 p.m. Second, it's a battle of undefeated teams in the ACC as Clemson heads to South Bend to take on Notre Dame, the temporary members of the conference. Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence tested positive for COVID-19 and missed last week's game against Boston College. It's still unknown if he will return for the road game this weekend. That is at 7 p.m. Saturday on NBC. And finally, there will be bowl games to end the 2020 season with ESPN announcing the schedule on Friday. MAC teams may only have six games on tap each, but they can still qualify to fill several uh, MAC qualifying games. I'll read them off here. The Idaho Potato Bowl in Idaho and the Arizona Bowl, those both against Mountain West Conference qualifiers. And the Lending Tree Bowl and Camellia Bowl, both in Alabama against Sunbelt qualifiers. Uh, any of those or, or maybe some other bowl games you're, you're hoping that NIU can draw in terms of uh, getting a late vacation in the season? Let's go to the Orange Bowl again. That's what I'm <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. You that's know, what that's what, what everyone thinks every year, but I, I don't know about Orange Bowl. <laughs> let's go. Well, the Bahamas or Boca Raton isn't isn't too bad either. But yeah, it would just be nice. Uh, you know, the, this program has a history of uh, you know of success and going to bowl games. And um, I do think that that, uh, like you said earlier in the show, that this is this is Thomas Hammock's team, and you know, I'd really like to see. Uh, his era, you know, the, the first year as a new coach, 
um, there's always that transition. But now this is his team. The Thomas Hammock era is in full swing. And, uh, you know, to get uh, to a bowl this year would be, I think, incredibly important in terms of recruiting, which, you know, it sounds like if you follow the coaching staff on Twitter, recruiting has been incredible so far. Uh, you know, and that's really what uh, brings those kids in is, you know, success on the field on that success on the field on national TV and going to bowl games. So, uh, you know, if they can do both of those things, that'll bode well for uh, 2021 and beyond. There is sadly no year, no quick lane bowl. And so the only way that they'll be able to play in Detroit is if they get to a Mid-American Conference Championship. And that road starts on Wednesday night against Buffalo, the same team that they ended their 2018 campaign against. Uh, we'll see if they can get a win to start off at 1-0 on what is going to be a wild 2020 football season. From James... From James Krause and Mike Knapp, this is the Red Black Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week for more.